You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Welcome to another episode of In The Know. And today we have part two from our previous episode, Business and Career Success in Asia. Today, we are joined by the Chief of Digital Business at Singapore Pressed Holdings, Julian Tan. Certainly recommend uh, any 20-year-old, if you have the chance to go overseas to study, to expose yourself to a different society, to a different culture, you know, do it. I think that will uh, really help you, um, especially in, in your working life where in today's context, nothing is local anymore. No, you, exactly. Every business, you know, is global. Sure. So having that exposure at a younger age, mm-hmm. you know, will give you the right experiences to go through your working career after sure. that. Sure. Julian shared many more insights into the working and cultural intricacies that can be found in Asia and tips on how to create successful business relationships. So let's get in the know with Julian Tan. Joining me today, we've got Julian Tan, and uh, I really look forward to hearing more about your background and your career, Julian, because that's why we're here. An alumni of, or alumnus, should I say, of the uh, Tiemba program, which for those people listening that aren't aware of the acronym, I guess it's uh, the Xinhua INSEAD Executive MBA and you completed that in 2009. Tell us a little about yourself. How did you get here? How did you get to the role you're in today? And and just give us a brief introduction of, of who you are. Well, I was born in a small city in Malaysia. So I'm actually not from Singapore, although I've lived here now for uh, more than 20 years. After I graduated, um, I'm working with the Singapore Press Holdings. I'm currently the chief of digital business, um, mm. looking after the whole digital business uh, for the group. Sure. And uh, what does that incorporate? Like, what, what makes up the digital business for Singapore Press Holdings? So a couple of areas. Uh, one is that uh, we do our own uh, incubation in-house. We do a lot of uh, innovation. So I would have a small team that uh, incubates new ideas. And if it works, you know, we test it out and we launch the products. Then we also have um, uh, another area of investment where I oversee digital investments. So we do M&A, we try and look for digital companies that would fit uh, our media business and would complement the media business. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have a venture fund, a hundred million Singapore dollar fund that we use to invest in startups. And and digital business, I mean, how did you get from where you started to where you are now? So, yeah, obviously uh, when, when I first started off in my career, I think digital, was still in its infancy. Sure. Uh, This was in uh, 1996. So I've been in the media industry all my life, but in uh, various roles. I started off as a journalist Mm -hmm. and uh, I I think that was a very good training ground for me. Sure. And it happened uh, right around the uh, time of the Asian financial crisis. Sure. So I was fortunate enough, you know, to be given the opportunity to actually cover um, the crisis uh, in Indonesia. So I was on the uh, finance economic beat for my media company then. And uh, I was actually sent to Indonesia to actually uh, report on the, the crisis that was going on there. Sure. It was an eye opener for me. And 
you know, also understanding the kind of uh, uh, troubles that people were having to go through, the kind of hardship, and uh, as well as leading on to that, the demonstrations in Indonesia started uh, the riots. So I, I still remember um, I was told by some of my uh, local uh, crew. I, I was then with a broadcast uh, TV company and uh, we had a local crew there who told me, Julian, make sure you arm yourself with a stack of US dollars because mm-hmm. you know if the riots get out of hand, you need to buy your way to the airport. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I thankfully I didn't have to do that, yeah, but sure. uh, it was actually um, really an eye opener to see you know how you know society you know reacted sure. you know in, in in such a situation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. For a lot of journalists, they will remember the day that uh, you know Indonesia had to sign you know the agreement with IMF to borrow the loan. So I was actually sure. there to to see that moment. Wow. Uh, see a uh, moment. Sure, a very uh, historic event. Yes, especially for Southeast Asia. I guess. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And and I guess today's podcast we're going to talk about careers and and business in Asia. More of your career, you've done as I mentioned before the Tiamba program. What what sort of attracts you to? to Singapore, I guess, and, and, and Asia as a whole. Is, is it, have you ever considered uh, roles or opportunities out, out, of, out of Asia? Okay, I, I guess for a start, I ended up in Singapore for my first job because I actually took a scholarship oh, wow. you know, from one of the local uh, media companies. Sure. So I, I actually, I went to London to study yep. and uh, I had a great time there, but yep. I had to then come back to serve my bond. Sure. Uh, but ha- having gone through that and... I think the last uh, 10, 15 years has actually shown that Asia is is really the growth engine. Definitely. A lot of uh, innovation, a lot of growth is actually coming out of Asia, and yep. especially in the digital age, where sure. Asia has actually, you know, been able to grow very fast in coming up with technological advancement. Sure. Uh, and Singapore, you know, being at the heart of uh, Asia is, is actually a very good place uh, because it is uh, it is where investments come in to fund a lot of these businesses. So sure. for the startup industry, where you know my company is actually funding quite a bit of these startups as sure. well, a lot of uh, investors prefer to start out first in Singapore, yep. test out the model, and then expand into the region. Right, and and looking through your your LinkedIn profile, you're part of many boards and many other institutions, not just the uh, the media world, I guess, but there's there's lots of other things you're involved in. There's some you want to share with the listeners out there that uh, some of the activities you're doing that might be a slightly bit different, or um, maybe sort of uh, touching on some of the key highlights of your career to date. In in a way, I, I got into digital by by accident. Sure. You know, I, I was doing a M&A for my company SPH. This mm-hmm. was in uh, 2005, 2006. Sure. And uh, what happened then was my boss then said to me, hey, Julian, it's all good to structure deals, to do M&A. Then after that, you know, you just wash your hands off and go to the next deal. Sure. Why don't, you know, you put your money where your mouth is? If you say that this business is so good, we should acquire it. Why don't you go and run it? Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up, you know, then building uh, the online classifieds business for uh, SPH through sure. a joint venture with a Norwegian media company, Shipstead. Yep. And uh, I was the CEO of that company for uh, a good seven years. And uh, this was where, 
you know, at, at that point in time, I was in the crossroads of my career as well. And that's how I also started doing the Tianba program there. Sure. So, and it was also the same time that I had my first child. Okay. So lots of things going on. Lots of on. things yeah. were going on. And yeah. I told my boss, are you sure? I'm not sure that I'm ready to be the CEO to run this business. Sure. But he said, no, no, no. I think you can just do it. I'm just going to throw you in the deep end. Sure. And and I'm actually very thankful, you know, for that. Mm. Um, of course, over the years, I made a lot of mistakes. But of I think that still helped me to really understand what this region is all about. Yes. Okay. Uh, because in Singapore, even though you... It is a melting pot where you have uh, a lot of foreigners, you know, whether it's from Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, even, you know, from Europe and, and uh, US. But, you know, when you actually go to say the Philippines mm-hmm. or, or to Vietnam, you will understand that it is very different culture, the way people work there, mm-hmm. the way things get done. Sure. And uh, to me, that actually was a, a very great lesson for me. Sure. And uh, b- and that was where also the Tianba program really helped because sure. uh, Tianba, as we know, is a combination of Tsinghua and INSEAD. Exactly. So INSEAD is well known for its international flavor. Mm-hmm. I, I think amongst the business schools, it, it probably has the highest percentage of uh, international students. Sure. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go with INSEAD, sure. to be able to have this international flavor, to actually understand new cultures, understand how people work. Sure. And coupled with uh, Tianba, at that point in time with Tsinghua, uh, my company was also looking at investments in China. So I thought, what a great idea, you know, to go for a program that can marry both, you know, the international flavor that INSEAD brings together with exposure to the China market. You sort of just briefly mentioned it before that, you know, most, I suppose, Western businesses can approach Asia as a, as a whole. But when you dig down and, and when you spend a bit of time here, you realise that Asia's far more than just a region. It's made up of so many different countries, different cultures, uh, people coming from different backgrounds, different expectations and different ways of working. So is there sort of any insights you can give um, people out there about how we should communicate um, with businesses in Asia and all the different makeups that make Asia, but also the people and the professionals that we may deal with in our, in our careers that may be based from here or working in Asia itself? I think the f- most important point to note is Asia is not one country. Yep. So every country you know, you need to take the trouble to actually understand the local culture, uh, the people and uh, how they do things. Uh, so that is where I think it it is very important, you know, for someone to, if you really want to do business in a certain country, to actually be on the ground. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I learned, you know, when I was growing the uh, the digital company for SPH. You know, I, ha- I was literally living off a suitcase. I was traveling every week, mm-hmm. but that was very, very necessary because the, the local people, they actually want, you know, to interact with somebody from HQ to firstly understand, you know, what is the direction, what is the strategy, you know, how can the local and the central team work together. So a lot of time is needed, you know, to actually engage the people on the ground. So, so that is very important. And by doing that, you will then understand the culture 
And one of the most important thing uh, of doing business in Asia is the importance of relationship. Sure. So, and that was what I also learned uh, that you, you cannot and should not delegate uh, things down too much. Yep. So whilst, um, you know, we, we want to empower people, but there are certain things that the buck stops, mm. you know, with the leader. And sure. especially when it is relates to bad news. Okay. You know, it is always uh, very, very appreciative for, you know, the, the leader to actually be on the ground to deliver this bad news. Can you think of any examples um, of where you've seen, oh, that's a distinct difference when I've had interactions with other parts of the world compared to Asia? I would say what actually surprised me, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I was doing uh, uh, the, the regional business was the fact that you need to, un- that's why it's very important to be on the ground because sometimes, you know, the, the local people, uh, your local staff may not uh tell you uh, or they, they rather not want to tell you bad news unless you are there in person. Okay. So, you know, in Singapore where quite a lot of communication can be done via email yep. because, you know, they, they would report uh, quite factually. Sure. Uh, but sometimes, you know, being with the, the local staff and actually seeing, you know, their facial expression, sure. body th- language the body language, yep. I think, you know, if you can understand that and notice the nuances, you can actually, you know, have a more meaningful communication and they'll sure. be more open uh, from that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. I uh, I have the pleasure, uh, you know, as as many of our listeners will know, we have uh, multiple campuses at INSEAD. So uh, as they know, I'm based on the Fontainebleau campus in France. Uh, being here in Singapore, I have the the nice luxury to come across every now and then and, and meet the people. And, and it is very different. It's vastly different. The, the culture, even though we're the same company and the same institution, um, meeting different people from different regions, I think the only way you can really appreciate how people prefer to work is by by being here and really getting to know people face to face. I don't think any, anything can replace that. Yeah, and, and the other thing that I've also learned is, you know, it is difficult, but you know, we should also make an effort to speak some of the longer, local language. Sure. Yeah. Of course. So you know, uh, you know, I, I would always start off like say, you know, uh, a major gathering or, or whether uh, the annual kickoff. Sure. You know. Uh, with some words in the local language, yep. you know that actually shows to the people that you know you are very open and you are committed to wanting to communicate sure. with them at their level. No, fantastic insight. Talking more about the global market, I, I feel maybe businesses uh, at times can be sort of thinking of the risks of doing business with Asia, um, and I think that maybe we've got to start thinking about the risks of not doing business with Asia. As you said, Asia is such a thriving marketplace uh, and, and bringing so much innovation to not just the region, but, but the, the world. As you mentioned, it's really important to get sort of local knowledge and, and, and people on the ground that really know what is happening and, and how things work here. Can you sort of sort of share some of the maybe biggest mistakes you see maybe foreign businesses or businesses from outside the region making when they come to Asia? Okay, I I think some of the biggest mistakes is to think that you can transport, you know, a model from, you know, one country, you know, to the other. Sure. Um, One example 
that, that we had as well. When we were launching uh, the online classifieds business, this was in 2008 to 2010. Sure. Um, that time, mobile was still not uh, very prevalent yet. Sure. So when we launched it first in Malaysia, I think through the desktop, I think oh, we got, the, we, we actually wrote the spike of the internet. Mm -hmm. But when it came to Indonesia, when we started again with desktop, we realized that most people in Indonesia don't have a computer. Okay. And they were starting to use their mobile phones. So 2010, 2012, that was when, you know, for a country like Indonesia, they actually skipped part of the uh, digital transformation. Sure. So from analog, instead of going to desktop, they actually went straight to mobile. Okay. So a lot of companies which had focused on building desktop applications, you know, they realized that they had totally not understood the market. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, okay. Whilst if you look at the, the US or, or even in Europe, I, I think mobile took a, a while longer. Yes. So if you can see, I think China is a very, very good example. Mm -hmm. uh, WeChat, I mean, the, the, the Chinese uh, digital companies, they actually made a lot of uh, innovative technology advancements in the area of mobile, in the mobile applications that they've for come sure. up with. Yeah, and for sure. A lot of that, you know, actually came before what, you know, we could see in, in Europe and in the US. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that was something that we learned as well, that, um, that you need to actually understand the whole way that the society is actually evolving. Yep. You may not follow what we had traditionally thought, you know, in, in terms of going through the digital, learning how to use a computer slowly one by one. But, yep. you know, because of the situation in those countries, you know, uh, everyone owns a mobile phone. It's a lot cheaper to own a mobile phone than sure. a laptop or yeah. a desktop. Yeah, of course. Great insight. And, and again, uh, sort of sticking with international business and, and sort of the need to adapt uh, your style to, you know, the different cultures that are available and, what are some of the differences you see in, in the Asian career force and, and, and maybe the, the skills and, and assets people have in their, in their jobs compared to people from, from other regions of the world? I think one of the first things that you will notice is people are more reserved in Asia. Okay. And it, would, it takes a while before they warm up. So unlike uh, an international setting or, or even in Singapore where people are more open, they are more willing to contribute ideas, they are more willing to speak up. Mm -hmm. uh, what you would realize, and it's very important to understand this, that it doesn't mean that if a person doesn't say something, say in Indonesia, one of your staff you know, keeps quiet, it doesn't mean that they don't know or they have no idea. Sure. I, I think it is um, a culture that, that differs to seniority. Sure. So it is something that um, we, we need to understand and slowly engage them to bring it out of them to speak up more, sure. to contribute, and you know, to as a leader, we should then set the example that you know we will not criticize. I think this is where it is very important to hold fast to the belief that uh, no idea is a bad idea. For sure. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that is one of the greatest difference 
you know, in terms of how people work in, sure. in this region. Um, they it, it takes a lot for them to really open up, especially to somebody senior. Sure. Okay. And and it's a matter of trying to to be inclusive of everyone available and and do you wait for that person to, to warm up and, and wait for them to take the opportunity or do you really need to get on the front foot as a leader and, and encourage them to? Yes, to, so, so to as leaders, we can't expect them to make the first move. Sure. So if, if you do, you wait, then I, I think you wait for eternity. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so, so as leaders, we need to reach out to them. Yeah. So it, it could well be, you know, doing one-on-ones first, yep. you know, to get the person more comfortable with, with, yourself. with, with us. Yep. So, because they need to trust us sure. uh, before they actually start opening up. Sure. Okay. So, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you need to spend a lot of time with them. So, yep. one of the mistakes that uh, some companies make is to just try and remote control, you yes. know, from whether it's from Singapore or from, uh, from uh, from Europe or the US, and, and that doesn't work sure. in, in Asia. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you need to be on the ground. Yeah. Uh, you need to be able to make your staff comfortable with you before they can actually open up, they can trust you, and they can actually you know, share their views and actually contribute more positively sure. to the company. Sure. And it's important, I guess, in my experience as well, it's really important to build that relationship. And there's many ways to do that. And, uh, you know, gatherings and, you know, sharing meals and all sorts of things are, are great ways to do that here in Asia. But yeah, no, I really resonate with that. It's a really important part of, of interacting with people in Asia. Uh, sort of finally, I wanted to come, we sort of touched on it before, but briefly back to, you know, um, the two different programs that are very similar uh, and that I guess you made a consideration. So we're talking about the, the GAMBA program, which is the INSEAD um, specific uh, executive MBA and the TMBA program, which we mentioned is a dual degree. Uh, between the Tsinghua University, which is based in China, and the the INSEAD's uh, Executive MBA program. Um, they're both very similar in some regards, but there are some unique, unique differences. And I, I guess, you know, reeling off some of the, the unique differences for the Tiamba program is that it is a dual degree. It's a little bit longer because it is the dual degree. Uh, you're getting access to two alumni networks, which is quite a lucrative part of, of uh, the MBA or EMBA programs. And I guess the Tiamba program is, as you mentioned before, really focused primarily on China and Asia. Um, and, and that's a big part of the attraction to the program, I guess, opposed to the, the executive MBA in Z, which is a, more a global program. I hear the question a lot, you know, why should I make the decision for one or the other? You touched upon it briefly, but I'd like to hear more about the decision process you went through. How did you make your mind up that, you know, the uh, TMBA program was for you opposed to an executive MBA program uh, that is prevalent across the world? So I was actually in the first batch, the inaugural batch for TMBA. Of course. Uh, and and where that... Um, I originally applied for the full-time MBA okay. with INSEA. Then somebody told me about the Tiemba program. And when I saw the scope, you know, the partnership between Tsinghua and INSEA, I felt that, hey, I think, you know, that is actually going to be very beneficial, especially, you know, as I personally also wanted to find out a lot more about China. Sure. So even though, yes, I mean, I've born in Malaysia, worked in Singapore, and I'm, I'm a Chinese, but... 
outside of China, it's, it's very different seeing China from the outside and seeing China from the inside. Of course. Yeah, so to me, I think if, if um, anyone is thinking of trying to do business in China, I think this program is definitely very, very valuable. Mm. And uh, I will feel that now that I've graduated and, uh, and over the last 10 over years, the, the amount of network that both INSEAD and Tsinghua has actually uh, uh, contributed, I think has been very immense. Mm. Uh, and uh, it is, Tsinghua is one of the top universities in China. And yeah. the moment you tell somebody you're from Tsinghua, yeah. you know, that already, that in itself actually opens doors. Sure. And when the person you're talking to also comes from Tsinghua, yeah. you can be sure that they will try their best to help you. Sure. So the, the, the network that you can actually gain, the, the kind of uh, people that you can interact with the alumnus is in itself, I think, you know, will pay back sure. all the investments that you put in the, to do the program. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. so, so that is one. And of course, the other thing is um, both are very strong and well-known uh, globally. So INSEAD sure. is well-known in, in the Western world for its MBA programs. Mm. And China is, uh, for China, Tsinghua is well-known for its economic rigor as well. Sure. So I think, you know, you get the best of both worlds. You get yeah. the academic uh, qualifications yep. as well as the strong network that goes with it. And we'll finish off with the, the final segment, which uh, as always is the quick fire questions, getting to know a little bit more about you and, and maybe some more of insights you could provide the listeners. So first one, uh, what advice would you give your 20 year old self and, and try and place where you were uh, when you were 20 years old? Well, I was studying in London then. Uh, nice. It was carefree days. Uh, first time being away from home. Right. And, yep. and so far away, uh, yeah, you know, to that effect. Um, I. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself during that time. And I would say that uh, certainly no regrets uh, studying overseas. Sure. And I think it is something that I would certainly recommend uh, any 20 year old, if you have the chance to go overseas to study, to expose yourself to a different society, to a different culture, yep. you know, do it. Yep. I think that will uh, really help you, um, especially in, in your working life where in today's context, nothing is local anymore. No, you, exactly. Every business, you know, is global. Sure. So having that exposure at a younger age, mm -hmm. you know, will give you the right experiences to go through your working career after sure. that. Sure. Let's go with uh, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit maybe has uh, most improved your life? I think it's this concept of lifelong learning. Okay. Um, after I graduated from university, I told myself, okay, that's it. You know, I, <laughs> never, I, again. I never again. <laughs> then 10 years later, I went for the Tianba program. Then I realized that, hey, actually it's learning never stops yep. and, and it should never stop. Yep. And uh, today, what I have tried to institute you know, in, in my habit or my behavior is, you know, to find areas where I can learn new things. Sure. And, and one of the surefire way of learning new things is actually talking to people, meeting new people. Sure. 
you know, every time you have a conversation, that is where you learn something new. Yep. And if you're not sure, you can go back, you know, and check on the internet today. A lot of information that you can actually find on the internet. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I would say that if a person stops learning, that is actually going to be the end of you know his career because yep. things are not static. And in fact, in this digital age, things are moving even faster. Yeah. And previous podcast guests have said, you know, this this ongoing learning is key to staying ahead of the curve, if you like. And, you know, we're all at the end of the day competing against each other for careers and and and, and different activities. But uh, yeah, it's important to stay up to date with trends and, and, and learning new things. So, yeah, no, I really like that. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? I mean, it could be a, an investment of money, time, um, you know, energy. I think one will, of course, be the program. Sure. I mean, the Tiemba program, I think it has given me very good friends. Sure. I think so. Friendship was something that, uh, you know, I value, especially, you know, I've... Uh, one of my classmates was from Brazil. I've never had a Brazilian friend. Sure. You know, I never had a Serbian friend. Sure. So I, I think that was, you know, the kind of friendships that you can actually build through mm. a, a program like Tiemba, I think is going to be invaluable. Sure. And uh, not forgetting all the doors that were open. Mm. So over the last, uh, you know, 10 years, I think I have uh, done a lot of partnerships, you know, in, in my career, in my jobs with INSEAD or, or Tsinghua alumni. Right. And that really actually helps us to speak the same lingo, yes. if you must. Yeah, sure. And, and so, so definitely, Tiemba program is is one good investment. Sure. You know that that I've done. Um, the other one I would say is um, is time with family. Yeah, I think uh, I have four young kids, wow. and I, you know, I I feel that if you invest the time in in them, in spending. Uh, time being with them, doing things with them, yep. you would actually get a lot more out of that relationship. Sure. So, for example, when I reach home now every day, when once I ring the doorbell, all my four kids will run, wow. you know, and hug me. So yeah, even my eldest boy who is actually entering his teenage years. I, right. I hope that continues. I of don't know course. how long that will continue <laughs> for, but yeah. I think it is um, due to the investment in time that I've given to the kids that, you know, they actually appreciate my presence. Yeah, no, that's a really nice message. And my, my wife gave birth uh, to our son seven months ago and I, I really, yeah, again, resonate with that message because uh, putting in the time, I don't think there's much greater than uh, than family. Very nice, nice message. Um, can you name one or two sources that uh, you find invaluable with staying up to date with, you know, the latest trends or, you know, topics or new technologies even uh, that are coming out in Asia? Maybe ones that, you know, can be accessed by our, our global listeners out there if they are interested and, and want to know more about the region. Okay, here is where maybe I'm going to be biased. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Why yeah, not? Coming, coming from a media company, <laughs> you know, we have one of our flagship products, which is the Straits Times. Sure. I think it is it provides very, very good coverage sure. you know, on Asia and, sure. and China in particular. Okay. And I, I use, I read it every day sure. uh, to keep myself abreast, especially of the political situation. Sure. Yeah. Then, of course, you know, for technology, um, I, I read a lot of things from the internet. Um, I, I follow TechCrunch for okay. one. Yeah, so sure. TechCrunch is actually very, very useful yeah, for, okay. for keeping yourself abreast uh, with technology. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
but uh, you know, it's 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 really important to stay up to date with what's happening and and to help us stay empathetic with with different regions of the world. I think is really important too. Right, I think I've got one last question. So, if you could ask our listeners to take one action in their career today, what would that action be? I think is to constantly reflect. Uh, on what you're doing and asking yourself, are, are you growing? Um, one of my mentors in my early years uh, used to tell me that at the end of the week, you need to ask yourself, what are three new things that you have learned? Okay. And challenge yourself to do three things differently the following week. Sure. Okay. So I've taken that you know, up to today. I... I may not do it every week now because I'm so busy, but you know, I try to find time to reflect sure. on the decisions that I've made, mm-hmm. you know, the people I've met and, and how I can actually, you know, make that little change in, in, in how I uh, interact with people or how I make decisions or how I, you know, become a leader. Sure. So I, I think everyone needs to periodically do a reflection of themselves. Nice. I might take that on board and reflect on the the plane journey back home this week, and uh, yeah, try and try and make some uh, adjustments and changes in how I can improve moving forward. Well, that's all we've got time for today. I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining us, and all the best with your future career. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of In the Know. If you want to know more about today's career development and leadership topics, head online to www.inthenow.insead.edu forward slash podcast. To discover more about any of INSEAD's degree programs, head to www.insead.edu.